If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. America is failing in big ways, both at home and abroad. We all see it. We can all feel it. But Joe Biden is just having a great time being the president of the United States. He really thinks he's all that, doesn't he? I'm in Mattel. I mean, in Mattel. <laughs> Shaving cream on my face. I'm also listed for 36 years, the poorest man in the Congress. <laughs> but I make big money now. I'm a president. He goes like this. Joey, baby, grab my chicken. I thought the Secret Service was going to shoot him. And I said, no, no, he's a friend. Now, I know it doesn't look like it, but I am over 65. I wish I <laughs> way over. Uh, all lame jokes. People only laugh when they do because he's the president. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the boss effect. The boss is always funny when he cracks a joke. Um, I just uh, can't believe that he and so many others, especially the fake news, have moved on from that horrific failure in Afghanistan just, what, six weeks ago, a little bit more? This happened, and it could have been totally avoided. This is on Joe Biden, but everyone seems to have moved on. They just had that semi-tense hearing a couple of weeks ago on Capitol Hill, and that's it. End of story. You know who's not over it and probably won't be for 100 years? The Afghanistan people. Look who's running the show right now. This is a Taliban governor of uh, one of their provinces, one of their 34 provinces. And uh, he's asked by a reporter to find Afghanistan on the globe. That's a tough one for him. The reporter's French. C'est ça que vous voulez que je vous montre pourquoi? Je vais la tourner côté Afghanistan. Oui, Afghanistan. Oui, l'Afghanistan. C'est dur à trouver. Quelqu'un sait où c'est On s'y retourne. déjà l'Asie. C'est là. Ah oui, c'est là. Erat, Kaboul. He's actually pretty pleased with himself that he found it, uh, everybody. It's pretty easy to find Afghanistan uh, on a globe, I think, somewhat, uh, thereabouts, okay? Anyway, they're in big trouble over there. For 20 years, we tried to fix that country. It should have been obvious at the very beginning that it was beyond fixing. Take a look, there it is, landlocked country. <laughs> Empires have failed there time and time again throughout history. But I've never heard of this kind of suffering, quite frankly, uh, what you're about to see in a moment. I know it's happened before, but I'm taken aback by how quickly it's happened in Afghanistan and that we're responsible for it. Uh, take a look, if you would. Uh, the Afghanistan people are suffering. 
And take a look at this headline, please. Uh, it's kind of bizarre to contemplate, but this is actually happening. As Afghanistan sinks into destitution, some sell children to survive. So a story there uh, outlines the plight of uh, a woman named Sela. She's 40 years old, and she has a three-year-old daughter. And for some reason, she owes a person in the town $550. She's a house cleaner. She makes about 70 cents a day. And listen to this. This is, the, this is what happens when we leave. Put it up on the screen, please. Desperate to feed her family, Salea, a house cleaner, incurred such an insurmountable debt that the only way she sees out is to hand over her three-year-old daughter, Najiba, to the man who lent her the money. The debt is $550. Selling your three-year-old daughter to take care of that debt. This is not crazy talk in Afghanistan. The man who's owed the money, he sees this as, uh, well, a reasonable option. Take a look. His response, Wall Street Journal tracked him down. I also don't have money. They haven't paid me back, Mr. Ahmad, the lender said. So there is no option but taking the daughter, three years old. That's how, they, that's how they're settling debts. Uh, for everybody else who's not uh, selling off daughters, they're suffering. 95% of the people do not have enough to eat. 95% of Afghans are not getting enough food to eat, according to the United Nations World Food Program, which has warned that people are being pushed to the brink of survival. And what's worse, in Afghanistan, some people, because they're so destitute, are selling organs selling their organs, and even children are being targeted. Here's a headline from the New York Post. If we could put that up, please. It reads, Afghan girl's gruesome murder sparks investigation into possible organ harvesting ring. That young girl, Henna, just 10 years old, found dead. And the investigators believe that, yes, this may have been part of, well, take a look at the quote, please. Organ harvesting might be uh, on the bright side. These cases generally have two purposes. One is to take body parts, usually the kidneys, and the second is to make black films, i.e. snuff films. There are people out there who find pleasure in watching people die on camera, for real not make-believe. This is, uh, I believe this is on us, and more than anybody, it's on Joe Biden, who could not have been more wrong, more incompetent, or more callous. Remember this? The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. We know what happened next. So incredibly wrong and also just dishonest with all of us. So no, no one told your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Even jumbled it a little bit. Everybody told him that. Everybody told him that. And we know that now. Joe, of course, was also incredibly callous. Remember when our heroes came home in the boxes and the coffins? And he was caught checking his watch about a dozen times. And strategically, all right, there he made some mistakes politically. But strategically, and there are ramifications for decades, a century to come, he was incredibly wrong. Well, we're left with a simple decision. 
either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan, or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice, the real choice, between leaving or escalating. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. We have, we have military bases all over the world, permanent military bases at no real expense to us in terms of lives or anything like that. Sure, some expense, but we have in Japan, in Germany, in uh, Korea, uh, all over the world. And it's no big deal. That might have been an option here. That could have been an option here. Look at how big Afghanistan is. We could have kept Bagram. We could have kept Bagram. Take a look at the landscape. The country is, well, there's a lot of room there for a military base. But here's what I figured out. Joe Biden does not care. If he doesn't care about freedom in this country, why would he care about freedom in Afghanistan? He wouldn't, and he doesn't care about it here. America, land of the free, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all, especially with this nonsense about the COVID ma vaccine mandate. Uh, no, I'm not comfortable with a mandate at all. Now, look, I was vaccinated. That was my decision, encouraged by my wife. And that's it. I'm not going to encourage anybody else to do that. Uh, that was my decision. This vaccine is less than a year old. All right. So I did it. Got a little bit sick afterwards. But should anybody be mandated to take that vaccine, especially our cops, our soldiers, our healthcare workers, our pilots, those who got us through the pandemic are now being abused and ordered around and I think insulted. Some of these people are speaking out. They're stepping forward and they're saying, no, this isn't going to work for me. I'm seeing all kinds of videos from uh, people in the military uh, throughout government throughout uh, the private sector saying we're just not comfortable with this and you know what i don't think they should be actually if they don't feel that way fine fine i mean look joe biden got the vaccine he's what 78 years old okay that's your choice joe it works for you you're getting the vaccine even though you said you wouldn't during the campaign you were giving all kinds of mixed messages uh those Young people I showed you, are they going to die from COVID? Take a look at the survival rate or the mortality rate, however you want to look at it. 98.4% survive COVID. All right. If you add it all up, you take everybody young and old. That's what it is. Um, mandating a vaccine that's less than a year old. I mean, ordering people, that's not the American way. Now, you could say, well, what about smallpox? What about polio? Okay, let's talk about that. First of all, those are far more serious diseases, far more contagious. And take a look at the mortality rates and survival rates for that. Smallpox, 30%. Polio, 23%. Makes sense. And those vaccines have been around for decades. But one that's been around for less than a year, forcing people to do it. I don't think a free country does that. Do you? No, America doesn't seem to be land of the free anymore, does it? Let me know. I'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view? And it's actually funny. 
You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I, All I can, can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? <laughs> One me- a former member of the fake news I like a lot. Her name is Barry Weiss. She used to work at the New York Times before she quit and totally called them out on all the woke nonsense they're pulling, how they give in to the woke leftist Twitter mob every day. She wouldn't have any more of it. She quit. Now she's... Uh, I don't know. She's out there in podcasts and she's writing for Substack and she's amazing. And I tell you what, she showed up on CNN the other day and they were, whoa, that's a little bit too much truth for us. But she was awesome. In what ways has the world gone mad? Well, you know, when you have the chief reporter on the beat of COVID for the New York Times talking about how questioning or pursuing the question of the lab leak is racist, the world has gone mad. When you're not able to say out loud and in public that there are differences between men and women, the world has gone mad. When we're not allowed to acknowledge that rioting is rioting and it is bad, and that silence is not violence, but violence is violence, the world has gone mad. When we're not able to say that Hunter Biden's laptop is a story worth pursuing, the world has gone mad. When in the name of progress, young school children, as young as kindergarten, are being separated in public schools because of their race. And that is called progress rather than segregation. The world has gone mad. The world has gone mad. And that was a brilliant summary. And she's a brilliant person. Barry Weiss, you got to keep on the lookout for her. Follow her on Twitter. Um, There are a few people out there who are... They're not crazy, but they are facing a lot of madness out there, and uh, we welcome her to our side. I think we're allies. Meanwhile, Donald Trump looks very, very strong. You've seen him at the rallies. He's putting out statements all the time. And the left, they're using the same old playbook. You know, yesterday we told you they broke out Christopher Steele again. And now, what are they trying? Trying to embarrass Trump supporters. The Fake news, especially the comedic left, the Trevor Noahs, uh, people like that, they sent this guy out to the Iowa State Fair as if he was visiting a foreign planet. And what did he do? Tried to make fun of them. Are we ready for this? I mean, the last guy hasn't even conceded yet. Well, I mean, uh, I, uh, I have some choice words for especially our vice president, but I'm trying to be civil today. So I really hope he gets to the topic of the border crisis. That's one of the bigger things right now, because that's completely being rushed under the rug. And, and you're from Iowa? I'm from Iowa. Yeah. So you worry about people coming from Minnesota? Um. What's, what's going on in your shirts? I think they speak for themselves, do they not? Why doesn't someone want to engage with that? Am I right? Exactly. This is sort of like the Trump welcome sign, right? It is one of the easiest and one of the cheapest things to do. Take a camera and interview people who aren't accustomed to being on camera and ask them questions designed to embarrass. It is cheap. It is disgusting. The left loves it. They love to laugh at these people. Uh, Look at them. But you know what? The goodness of these people actually came through. And the only jerk I saw 
was this guy. All right. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is so committed to making history because, well, let's face it, he's not very sharp. Uh, he's old. Uh, it doesn't look like he's going to be president all that long, right? I mean, according to the actuary table. So he wants to do big, bold things in the short time he has. Unfortunately, uh, yikes, he, it's, it's, it's embarrassing everybody how bold and big he wants to be. He's making this person a four-star admiral in the public health service. This is Rachel Levine. I believe she was born Richard Levine. I'm not sure. She is transgender. Here's the headline. Let's go ahead and put that up. Uh, Rachel Levine, openly transgender health official, sworn in as four-star admiral in the public health service. Now, part of me really doesn't care, but she is very big in pushing transgender issues. Transgender becoming another sex that's actually a disorder. It's called gender dysphoria. And when she was asked about this and basic questions and how it might affect children by Senator Rand Paul, I realized that this person is dangerous. Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I will look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah. medicine. Will you make a more firm decision on whether or not minors should be involved in these decisions? Senator, uh, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field. Uh, and if confirmed to the position of Assistant Secretary of Health, I would certainly be pleased to come to your office and talk with you and your staff about the standards of care and the complexity of this field. Wow. Um you know, it's a pretty straightforward question, actually. Children should not be undergoing that uh, procedure, and uh, but that's a non-answer. And she knew she could get away with a non-answer because uh, it was a Democrat-controlled Senate. Joe Biden, by the way, the old Joe Biden would have been horrified by this kind of appointment. He could never imagine himself doing it as recently as 2006, when at that point he had, I think, 34 years in the U.S. Senate. He wasn't even for gay marriage. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Uh, Joe is trying to impress his woke masters. I do believe he is not in charge. Meanwhile, the uproar over Chappelle's Netflix show continues. Netflix stars, back staff, walk out following Dave Chappelle controversy. So a uh, bunch of stars are going to walk off because they're so upset that Dave Chappelle occasionally, well, he makes fun of everybody, everybody, including sometimes uh, transgender people. All of a sudden, this lesbian fellow stepped between us. <laughs> That's my girl. I said, yo, yo, my man, back up like that. She said, I ain't backing up all That's my girl. I said, bro, you're going to have to give me three feet like this. 
She said, stop calling me a man. I'm a woman. I said, what? Look, he makes fun of everybody. Uh, and actually, it's more than making fun. It's actually dissecting and looking at the issues and how people perceive it. And it's actually quite illuminating. But uh, no, a lot of actors are furious and they're threatening to walk off like these folks. And this thing could get bigger. For now, Chappelle's show is safe on Netflix because, well, he's brilliant, uh, happens to be black, happens to be very, very good at his job. If you're not as good at your job, <laughs> maybe if you're not black, if you're not rich, if you're not famous, and you say the wrong thing, Netflix would drop you right away. And maybe you're not with Netflix. Maybe <laughs> the grocery store where you work or the warehouse or whatever. So anyway, I'm actually rooting for Chappelle here big time. Speaking of actors, Ronald Reagan, our 40th president, was a very good actor. Yes, the intelligentsia, they like to make fun of him, say he was not much of an actor. No, he was an excellent actor. And at one point, actually, he is said to have uh, said out loud that he could not imagine somebody being president without having some acting skills. It actually made him a better president. And uh, I think this shows that very, very well. So in 1988, Ronald Reagan spoke at the Coast Guard Academy graduation in Connecticut. Uh, Coast Guard. We love the Coast Guard, right? Always prepared. Um, and he delivered a line that kind of made fun of the Navy, and it was terrific and so well received. My Coast Guard aides have been excellent. One of them taught me that, and I quote, the Coast Guard is that hard nucleus about which the Navy forms in time of war. You see, he was so appreciative of the crowd. The crowd was appreciative of him. Fast forward to uh, 2021. Uh, this past May, Joe Biden goes to the Coast Guard Academy and tries the same thing, actually tries the same line. He tries it. Ooh, this is bad. I can only assume that you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. You are quite, you're a really dull class. I mean, come on, man. Is the sun getting to you? I would think you'd have an opportunity when I say that about the Navy to clap, but being here together. Wow, huh? He gets it wrong. He arrogantly accuses the audience of not getting the joke, orders them to laugh. This guy is no Ronald Reagan. He's no Jimmy Carter. He is no president. I'll be right back. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Who's the opposite? Do you want your house back? Take it! So if you've looked at January 6th, you know it was not an insurrection. The FBI even said as much. But the media, they keep calling it an insurrection. And so many on the left do as well. Why do you think they're doing this? Take a look. First of all, they still do it. The committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. What happened next was chaos. They broke the glass. Insurrection. Take it now! Treason! Treason! 
death. There is a presidential inspired insurrection, plain and simple, an insurrection. The president of the United States incited insurrection against our country. The insurrection was an existential crisis, a test of whether our democracy could survive. So insurrection, the attempted takeover of a country, sounds a lot worse than a trespassing incident where their own security failed woefully, right? If you call it an insurrection, you can taint, well, Donald Trump, you can taint his supporters, you can taint anybody who had concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. That's why they're calling it an insurrection. I think it's inherently dishonest, but if we're gonna keep calling it an insurrection, what happened at the Interior Department the other day? The United States Department of Interior, they're in charge of uh, huge swaths of American land. Uh, a lot of people showed up. They're very upset about climate change and they tried to break in and it seemed like they tried to take over the building. Watch. This is pretty intense. Looks a lot like uh, certain scenes I saw at the Capitol on January 6th. But why haven't I heard a word about this in the media? Well, the media, they're on their side. <laughs> Inside, it was not pretty either, by the way. They got in. So it looks to me like they're disrupting government administration. That's a charge they're hitting a lot of the January 6th people with. Felony disruption of a hearing and that kind of thing. And that's why so many of them are still in jail. Try to find out information about where these people are. Are they still in custody? What they're being charged with? Very hard to do. It did make news, however. It made the headlines. We know this happened. This is documented. Protesters take over inside of Interior Department in demonstration against fossil fuels. How about that? They took over a part of the government, but not a word about it. Very interesting, also very hypocritical. All right, we have this as well. In New York City, in City Hall, the Thomas Jefferson statue will be removed. It's been there for, I think, a century or so. City Hall itself goes all the way back to the uh, 1800s, mid-1800s. Beautiful building, beautiful sculpture, but it is being taken down because... Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. President Trump put out quite a statement on this one, and I happen to agree with everything he said. He delivered it the only, only in the fashion that only he can. Well, it's finally happened. The late, great Thomas Jefferson, one of our most important founding fathers and a principal writer of the Constitution of the United States, is being evicted from the magnificent New York City Council Chamber. Who would have thought this would ever be possible? I did and called it a long time ago. He did, by the way. Next up, Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, and of course, George Washington. The radical left has gone crazy and it's hurting our country badly. But someday soon, sane people will be back and our country will be respected again. He's right. He called this. He called this four years ago in the wake of Charlottesville. The same day he condemned neo-Nazis and white supremacists. He said it out loud. He also said this. This week, it's Robert E. Lee. 
I notice that Stonewall Jackson's coming down. I wonder, is it George Washington next week? And is it Thomas Jefferson the week after? You know, you, all, you really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now, are we going to take down his statue? Wow. You saw it all coming. Look, if you're pro-American, if you believe in America, you got to be with Trump. I know he may not be your cup of tea, but uh, look, he believes in America, and Joe Biden clearly doesn't. Now this. Of course, Black Lives Matter, of course, but not the way the Black Lives Matter movement says. They only care when a black life is taken by a white cop. Oh, and what about when a black cop is taken by a criminal? Tragically, that happened this past weekend in Houston, Texas. 30-year-old police officer Kareem Atkins, one of three officers ambushed outside a Houston bar over the weekend, was killed. Atkins was working uh, the security at a popular hotspot for nightlife in Houston. He and two fellow officers were responding to reports of a robbery at a local sports bar early Saturday morning. While they were trying to arrest a suspect, someone else uh, snuck up behind them and opened fire with an assault rifle. All three officers were hit, but Atkins was struck in the back of the head and died soon after. He had just come back to work from paternity leave. Now his wife is a widow and his two-month-old child will never see its father. Hospital here, I've got uh, one deputy that is uh, shot in the back in surgery. Uh, we've got a deputy shot in the foot. He's fixing to go into surgery. And I uh, left my third deputy, who is deceased here, uh, in the hospital. Uh, probably one of the toughest things I've done in my career. Again, uh, he was just 30 years old uh, and had a new baby at home, just two months old. No leads yet in this case. Uh, they had a suspect in custody for a while, but it turns out that was not the shooter. Kareem Atkins, hero police officer, dead at the age of 30. We'll be right back. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. <laughs> Our friend Nigel Farage that night looked even happier than the president-elect of the United States, huh? Nigel Farage, the former Brexit Party leader, great friend of Newsmax, and who knows, maybe a future prime minister of the U.K. Welcome back, Nigel, again. We are so sorry about what happened to your, uh, your friend and colleague there, Sir David Amos, uh, murdered, it seems like, by an Islamic terrorist. So sorry. First of all, how are you, and what's the mood like over there? Not good. I mean, not good. The last murder was five years ago. It happened a few days before the referendum. And whilst it was shocking uh, that a Labour MP was murdered by a lone wolf right-wing extremist, um, it kind of wasn't a surprise. The temperature of debate around that referendum, uh, you know, it was so sulfurous uh, that I wasn't surprised. What happened last week happened in relatively calm political times to a fairly a fairly low-profile member, I mean, a lovely man, but a low-profile member of parliament. And I have to say, 
Many politicians that I've spoken to this week are genuinely scared. Uh, they've got families saying to them, why the hell are you doing this? Is there any point continuing? Um, so the mood, the, the mood is quite grim, to be honest with you. Um, reflective, grim, but here's the truth of it. The truth of it is everybody is dancing around the issue. Everyone's ignoring what really happened here. Um, a big two-hour debate in Parliament, followed by a major church service in Westminster Abbey, in commemoration of Sir David and his 38 years in public service. And the narrative has been extraordinary. We need a kinder, gentler, softer politics. We need to have more consensus, um, as if politics was ever anything but adversarial, as if it was anything, you know, back to the 18th century, people tore chunks out of each other. Um, and everyone's saying this, and, you know, we must have a new online harms bill. And all right, I do accept there are some wilder shores of the internet that are deeply unpleasant. But everyone's avoiding the issue. Take Sadiq Khan, the mayor of London. His first tweet was his sadness at the passing of Sir David, as if he was a 98-year-old D-Day veteran <laughs> that just hadn't woken up one morning, as opposed to somebody who was brutally... And let's use the word, Greg, shall we? Assassinated. That's what happened here. 17 times stabbed by this frenzied maniac, a man who now we know, seven years ago, was referred by a teacher to a government anti-Islamist terrorism programme. And because of human rights laws, his details were then not passed on to the security services and to the police. And Scotland Yard, you know, the head of our police force have made it clear this is an Islamist terror investigation. And yet our political class and our media don't want to call it that. But that's what it is. And I guess the problem for them is this. If they admit that it's that, they also admit that our open borders for the last 20 years have allowed this to happen. So no one dares say a word, but we all know what the truth is. Because they'll be vulnerable, they've been wrong on the issue for so long. What about political correctness? Is there a fear that, oh, if you, uh, if you call this out for what it is, somehow you'll be seen as racist or lacking sensitivity? Is that part of it as well? Of course. I mean, yeah. I mean number one, the fear of being called racist. Number two, the fear uh, that if in battlefield terms you put your head over the parapet, you then become a target for these maniacs as well. Um, and our MPs, and it's, it's not dissimilar on Capitol Hill, but our MPs do not have any close protection security at all. And what I've been saying over the last few days is this. We have hundreds, if not thousands, of men and women who served in Iraq, who served in Afghanistan, who have dealt with terrorism face-to-face, -face, who've dealt with civilian populations. Many of them haven't integrated very well back into peacetime Britain, because it's difficult, isn't it? You, know, you come from a brutal war zone back to a country in peace. And I think what we should be doing is taking these people, training them. And, and, and you know something? The worst that would have happened if a good trained ex-Royal Marine security guard had been with Sir David last Friday, the knifeman may have got at him once. He would never have got at him 17 times. And that argument that I'm pushing, I'm now getting MPs texting me, tweeting me saying, Nigel, we think you're on the right track. We have got to protect our public servants, because if we don't, then what we do is put a barrier between the voters and those that represent them. 
And that in a democracy would be a disaster. Now, I know mm. this may be quite difficult in America, where you have a president who isn't accountable to anybody and won't even take media questions. Yeah. But you know what I mean? You know, you're, you know, you, 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 your House of Representatives member, yeah, he or she goes back to their district and meets voters. It's vital. So we've got to provide some protection. And today, a very senior member of the government, Michael Gove, who is arguably number two or three in the British government, was walking through a street in Westminster without any security and was hounded by a mob of hundreds of people. Now, he must be blooming stupid, in my opinion, to be there on his own, but it really is beginning to focus minds. I don't want security to take our politicians away from people. Sure. I want it to be the means by which they can go out and connect with them. It's a great idea. We should be doing it here. Joe Biden recently laughed off the idea as if it's uh, part of the job to get harassed by uh, by people. It's, uh, no, I hope. I wish you success. This is great. I'll do my part. I'm going to tweet this uh, idea as well. Uh, Nigel Farage, we appreciate you so much. Uh, our, our best to you and uh, your countrymen. We'll be back soon with Lauren Boebert, by the way, a uh, member of Congress who could be under some threat herself. I'd like her reaction to all this. Thank you, Nigel. We'll be right back. You're emotionally abusing our children. Highly politicized agendas on our most vulnerable constituents. You cannot accomplish anything because of your skin color. This is still America, ma'am. Awesome. Totally awesome. And in their ranks is, of course, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado, a hero to so many. Welcome back to Newsmax. Congresswoman, are you there? Hi. Good to see you again. How's it going down Greg, there? It's so great to see you. Thanks so much for having me on this evening. You bet. You bet. Hey, listen, I want to ask you, uh, we just had Nigel Farage on. You know about that parliament member who was stabbed to death in London. Uh, He's thinking about enhancing security. It should be enhanced for uh, members of parliament over there. You know, I'm thinking about cinema, Senator Cinema, who was harassed openly. Mm -hmm. And you're a big, let's face it, you're a bit of a lightning rod. What's it like out there for you? And is it time for Congress to provide members like you with security? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, Greg, I am my security, uh, and I just want uh, the federal government to stay out of my right to protect myself. You know, if I think if uh, Senator Cinema would have been a Republican, those uh, folks who chased her into the restroom and harassed her would be in solitary confinement by now. Uh, but I, I'm here because I believe in the American dream, and I want this to continue to be the land of opportunity for generations to come. I want every American to have the ability to prosper and have true personal freedom. I want you to be able to go to the grocery stores and have the shelves fully stocked, not empty with your products um, offshore uh, on some cargo ship that Joe Biden thinks is his very first boat parade. Uh, <laughs> unlike the Washington Post, I don't believe that Americans should lower their expectations. This is the greatest country on earth. We need to have the highest expectations for our people. And that's exactly what I am fighting for. And Greg, if you want to be a target of the left, you just have to do two things. Stand for truth and be effective. 
Why do you think they hated President Trump so much? Because he stood for truth and he was the most effective president of my lifetime. The radical left will do and say anything to attack me and other Republicans. And uh, in, in, uh, my own circumstance, they attacked uh, my family. They fa falsely accused my mom of being the bullhorn lady on January 6th. They falsely accused me of leading a reconnaissance tour when it was my family that was in the Capitol. They falsely accused me of over-reporting campaign mileage when I travel half of the state to reach constituents, unlike the Democrat that I uh, opposed in that campaign, I didn't campaign from my basement. Uh, they continue to lie about me because I'm doing exactly what I said I would do. Every day in D.C., I am protecting the freedoms of my constituents and the folks all across uh, uh, America from Democrats that would push medical tyranny, reduce freedoms, and increase taxes, destroying our children's future. If I didn't believe in this country and what I'm fighting for, I would not leave my four boys and my husband every single day to do what I'm doing. Wow. Well, hey, amen. It's beautiful. It's so impressive. Uh, but look, not every member, getting back to the security question, is as uh, adept with a weapon as you are, okay? I mean, you're a gun enthusiast, and that's great, but you know, there are some Republicans down there who have never shot uh, a pistol or a rifle. Mm -hmm. Should they be getting security? Because, look, I'm, I'm concerned that something really bad could happen. Joe Biden has about 5,000 agents guarding him at all times. You guys are pretty much on your own except for leadership. So should something be done, you know, throughout the system? Well, members of Congress are able to use campaign funds to provide their own security. Um, if, if you look at the newest uh, woke member of the squad, um, she has uh, she has paid what two hundred thousand uh, dollars for her own personal security. Um, I I take. Uh, the First Amendment, very, very serious. You have the right to petition your government with your grievances. Um, I, I don't think that we're at a point where uh, the taxpayers need to be funding uh, members of Congress and, and their security. Uh, we already have that with, with leadership, as you mentioned. Um, but when, when these attacks come, they're usually from these keyboard warriors. Not everyone is being chased into a bathroom. And I never take the attacks personally because I know that they aren't really after me. Um, uh, I know exactly what I signed up for, and I know who I signed up to protect. The progressives are after you, your viewers, my constituents, and I'm just in the way. Hey, I got this. Uh, you're, you're really fond of this Brandon character. Can you tell us a little bit about Brandon? <laughs> I got a picture of you, and you're very enthusiastic about Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Uh, anyway, I know the joke, and I love it. It's really catching on. I wonder if Brandon, the race car driver, is okay with all this. It's uh, it's pretty I cool. I think he's just fine with it. You know, Greg, if I'm going to an at attend a woke NFL game, I am going to make sure we have the most fun while we're there. Um, it was a great experience. Um, unfortunately, my son is a Raider fan, and so I took my son to the game, and uh, he left with a big, huge smile. He even received a glove um, from one of the winning team members uh, on our way out. And so it was a great, it was a great game, um, a great time. I met a lot of people there who are so excited to have a voice in Colorado. Every time I turned around, there was somebody grabbing me, taking a picture, and uh, shaking my hand and saying thank you. It's so exciting to see all of this enthusiasm uh, come out of Colorado. Well, you're a superstar, and uh, who knows what the future holds, but it's going to be awesome. Thank you very much, Congresswoman Boebert, Lauren Boebert, Republican of Colorado. To be continued, keep it up. Stay safe. All the best. Yes. 
see you soon, Greg. All right. Take care. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Well, thank you for joining us here on Newsmax. We're very proud of what we're doing. Please tell your family, friends, neighbors about what we're doing. Download the app, do all that jazz, and uh, we can uh, really go places. So, stand by for Stinchfield, and uh, let's go, Brandon. Brandon. 